0: today's show and actually much of my surfing by the way is made possible by nvs fins I want to show you these fins talking about them is good but seeing them will really help illustrate everything that I've been talking about namely the more refined foils and I know that even me talking about refined foils probably lost half of you I've certainly seen thousands of fin ads over the years and I've always really felt ill-informed Um, Or that I really wouldn't feel the difference once I was riding the fins, even if they were somehow more superior? Well, despite my own shortcomings, I tried a set of NVS fins uh, probably about two years ago, and they simply worked better and they're less expensive. And the reason is that they're made from a superior material. um, That's the reason behind their performance, but it also ensures that they'll last longer. Traditionally, fins are either molded plastic or they're laminated layers of fiberglass and resin that allow them to be rigid through the center and the base and then flex at the tip. But both of those methods add bulk and mass. NVS's Apex series is made from G10 fiberglass that's laminated in an autoclave. And what this does is that it yields less mass, which allows the fin to have more sharply refined edges. Less mass and sharper edges equal less drag. It's simple as that. No hype, no flashy colors, nor graphics, just faster movement through water with increased maneuverability. And they're less expensive. Plus, you save another 20% with the promo code podcast on surfnvs.com. But like I said, I want to show you these fins, so now that we're publishing our podcasts on YouTube, come there, watch this episode, and I'll display, I'll fondle, I'll showcase these fins in all of their glory, and you can grab a set on surfnvs.com with the promo code PODCAST to save you 20% and also support our work here. So thanks for doing that, and enjoy. I began emailing with Sterling Spencer in 2017. He had moved back to his hometown of Pensacola, Florida two years prior, and I was curious about his recent film projects and why he hadn't updated his surf satire YouTube series, Pinch My Salt. I was planning a trip to Florida, but through our email exchanges, we figured out that we'd actually be nine hours apart despite being in the same state. Sterling was born and raised on the Gulf Coast, And although it's not really known for its surf, his father, Yancey Spencer III, enjoyed a flourishing surf career from Pensacola and he was actually known as the godfather of Gulf Coast surfing. In 1970, California board builder Greg Knoll introduced a Yancey Spencer Signature Model and in 1972, Yancey opened Interlight Surf Shop in Gulf Breeze, Florida. And then eventually a second in pensacola and a third in fort walton in 1981 and now nearly 50 years later they have five shops in total throughout florida in 1988 yancey fathered today's guest sterling spencer began surfing as a toddler and was signed to billabong by the age of eight after 11 years of traveling the world with his sights set on competitive pro surfing success sterling found what would become his most comfortable role in surfing a surf satirist lampooning the limelit prose that the magazines treated as demigods. Sterling had full access to the inner workings of the surf biz, and what he may have lacked in drive and discipline to graduate from the QS to the CT, he more than made up for in comedic prowess and a wry sense to never take surfing too seriously. His blog was pinchmysalt.tv and he leveraged the burgeoning YouTube platform which was only three years old at the time, to create, publish, and connect with an audience instantly. Arguably, he was the first professional surfer to truly harness the power of the internet to build a career. Pinch My Salt created content for about five years, three of those being reliably hilarious. Throughout that time and in the years since, Sterling has made a series of films. They always embodied the same comedic sensibility of Pinch My Salt, but they allowed for a much more intentional and well-designed aesthetic. Art directed from the chosen title and font to camera movements, wardrobe, and even hiring professional actors. His film Gold included Bob Saget in the role of his overbearing shaper who is chastising him for being.
1: You're not even a pro surfer. What tour are you even on? I'm on the surfing tour. The, the surfing tour? I'm, I'm, I'm pro-surfing. Pro-surfering. If anything, you're a B-grade pro surfer that wears glasses to be different and makes silly little videos. I would never do something like that. John John doesn't even follow you on Instagram, man.
0: While other surf films have dabbled in amateur skits and comedy, Sterling's films defined the genre while never undermining his legitimate surfing talent these feature films allowed Sterling to command the space that he had long occupied. After a sponsor change, a seizing surf industry, and a shifting business model for making surf films, Sterling found himself burned out and uninspired. He moved back to Pensacola, and after I hadn't seen much from him for a year or two, that's when I was headed to Florida, and when I reached out to him, and when we failed to connect. He's gone even more dormant in the three years since, never publishing to pinch my salt, only producing an occasional short film, but the comedy has almost been entirely replaced with him simply surfing the Gulf Coast on an array of Christensen alternative shortboards. And then earlier this month, the Surfer's Journal landed in my mailbox, an actual physical copy of the magazine. And as I thumbed through it, I came across an article about Spencer that offered a portrait of a depression and an angst that was underlying all of those years of comedy. So I mentioned this article to Scott Bass on spit and it sparked a heated debate with Scott even questioning Sterling's intentions. So I reached out to Sterling again after three years of no emails and uh, found that he's still living in Pensacola and we were able to record this conversation via Zoom from my home in California. And I'm used to seeing Sterling Spencer on my computer, but the Sterling that I connected with on Zoom was a very different version. Low energy, calm, sensitive, introspective, and really full of insights. So without further ado, my name is David Scales, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with the self-proclaimed number one surfer in the world, Sterling Spencer.
1: I kind of like a career, or let go of any type of pressures in that area. I'm, I'm like, I'm like being guided by, you know, like my soul. So it's, I've yet, to, I feel like life, I've like, I've been, I moved back home. For, it's been about five years, and like life has felt more crazy. <laughs> like I, I ignored stuff for so long. I feel like for five years, I've been just like going through emotional, mental, spiritual, just like I've been going through it all for years, it feels like, and like, so now that I've kind of figuring out who who I am. And so it's like, I've been on like a spiritual journey doing nothing.
0: (laughs) what when you said you were ignoring things previously what type of things were you ignoring
1: mostly the uh the grief of my father and grandmother and a few friends passing Um, it took me i ignored it heavily and so for my dad passed away 10 years ago now so I, i ignored it for so long um it created all sorts of just emotional damage in me which ended up burning myself out as far as career-wise because I couldn't couldn't focus anymore like physically I was getting sick from emotional distress it felt like I've just been kind of slowly I feel like just now I'm figuring out how to be an adult (laughs) so it's like many years of just kind of bouncing around within myself, it feels like.
0: Um, I wanna talk about the grief and I ask you these things because listeners have experienced the exact same thing. uh, And if they haven't yet, they will. The the loss of a parent, you know? Um, You talking about the grief and how it affected you, clearly the death of a loved one will affect anybody but was it was there unresolved issues was there ways that you had wished you had managed your relationship differently with your father what do you think was the source of the grief
1: yeah it was like he died when i was 22 and my career just took like a major shift i went i went from like 20 years of you know with my dad and he wanted me to be a world champ And within like six months, I made this like crazy shift where all of a sudden like I had a big following on the internet and the internet was brand new. He didn't even like know what the internet was. (laughs) And I just started like making, I basically became my own production company and like he didn't understand any of it. No one, it felt like no one did, you know, but uh So it was like such a huge shift and I was still, it was like really successful shift, like immediately, like, um, like Billabong supported it. And just like, I started having like a lot of money to make my own movies and like, but he died like right when that happened. So for like a full year, he was very, not upset. But he was bummed out because, like, he felt like his whole life or, like, my whole life was working towards being a world champ. And And I just, like, shifted it within, like, six months. Right. So, like, of course, he would have eventually come to terms with that. And we would have, like, naturally made up or not made up, but just, like, figured it out, you know. But we didn't get that. I was super confused because it was just like, because it feels like when your parent dies, you want to like avenge their death and make them proud or something. And I felt like I couldn't do it. Like, am I going to go back and do contests? Like something I don't love. It was just like super confusing time. So I was like really successful, but at the same time felt sad because like my whole career was, you know, him and I were, working together with it, you know?
0: Um, do you know anything about his relationship with his father?
1: Yeah, he, he, he didn't have one. Um, his father like was abusive. He never knew him. So yeah, he was he was learning how to be a dad too, you know?
0: <laughs> totally. Um, kind of with 10 years of hindsight and processing, do you um, still feel the need to, you know, prove yourself to him or to avenge his death, as you put it?
1: I don't. No, not anymore. Okay, good. <laughs> well,
0: I mean, it, well, I mean, l- let's be honest. His expectations were unrealistic. Like for him to expect you to be a world champ is a minuscule, despite your talent or no matter how talented you could be. That's a minuscule, you know. Uh, right. Possibility, so that kind of represents a um, lack of realistic perception on his part. And what you were doing was amazing. And if he didn't recognize that in the short amount of time that he got to witness it, he would have with due time. Turns out the internet was here to stay, and <laughs> you were you were early to um, the brand of comedy that you were providing, and it was it was genius. You know, so I think he would have been proud for sure
1: yeah it took me a while to process all this you know like seeing just you just it feels like we all want to just blame our parents rather than realize they're humans too and they're on their stage of learning (laughs) we're just like oh they didn't do that so they're bad (laughs) now that i'm a now that i'm a father it's like oh wow gosh I understand my dad completely like the every year my son gets older. I'm like, no wonder my dad was acting this way.
0: <laughs> and how old was he when he had you?
1: Um, well, he died when he was 60 Now I was 22. So,
0: okay. So, so I always put that into perspective. Like my parents were married. Married, had two kids, and divorced by the age of 27. And to try to put that into perspective now, it's like mind blowing, you know? Tell me about the grief, though. Was there something that happened that kind of uh, sparked yeah, that change? It,
1: I was getting very depressed um, to where I wasn't enjoying what I was doing anymore. And uh, like, I wasn't enjoying surfing. I wasn't enjoying anything it felt like. So um, I just finally got to a point where I was like, I just got the uh, two new managers and I was going to make like, I was, I would like, basically I was like, oh, I want to be like the Rob Deerdick of surfing. And I, and I got these big managers and it was all like happening, but. I was just like, I might kill myself if I do this. (laughs) Like, I was that depressed and it was just like, kind of a fork in the road. Like, do I keep taking like drugs to cope or do I like go just like get away? (laughs) That's what it felt like. Like I could keep taking Xanax or keep drinking or keep whatever, you know, and it was like, it was just like, I I want to know life rather than like be more rich and famous. (laughs) Yeah. So it was like a major fork in the road. And uh, I took life.
0: (laughs) Do you think that there was any way for you to actually manage both those things, to be able to manage the career path that you were on and quell the depression?
1: yeah if i now now I have like a team of people I work with like i have a therapist i have i have a doctor that I trust uh holistically, I have friends that know I'm an emotional person you know like, but back then, I knew nothing really, so it was just like you know in hindsight, if I would have like had kind of a team probably could have balanced both. But my nature is to procrastinate and to ignore and to just want things to be good. Yeah. And that's not the best way to go through life. Like the, it's good to deal with stuff when it happens and then enjoy. Right.
0: Um, did you have a conversation with your management team about what you were experiencing?
1: Yeah. Um, but it just felt like they weren't, they weren't going to wait. Yeah. It it was going to take some time. Like, um, it was going to take, I feel like if you're in that place, you need about a year to kind of get yourself, you know, moving again. Yeah. Like, not being on drugs, not, you know, like really being in a good place. And they're like, um, they're like, okay, you got three months, report back to us. If not, your contract is voided, like, or just like, so that was just like, even more pressure.
0: And it's also a real lack of support. I feel like when you're going through a vulnerable time like that, support is what you need and to have the people who are, you're relying on but are also the ones telling, ushering you into this new way of life that doesn't bode well for trusting them in that new way of life, you know?
1: Yeah, it was unfortunate. Like, it all happened kinda at the same time. Like, I feel like if I would've had the relation, long relationships and I just switched to Rusty, which um, my manager bought Rusty So that was, like, why I went to Rusty. And so, like, I feel like Billabong would have worked with me because I was with them. I was one of their longest team writers. So I feel like they would have worked with me because they they saw what, you know, like me healthy, you know. Totally. But with this new company and my manager owning it, it was like, all right, you got to get going. And then all of a sudden I'm like, "Uh," you know, so it was just – bad timing and i feel like when my manager bought that company he realized like what a mistake it was <laughs> yeah so he's got stress you know so it was just like i don't blame any like i don't blame like bad support i just feel like it was all bad timing yeah
0: back let's go back to pinch my salt um how much of the creative energy for pinch my salt was coming from the exact substances that were also, you know, fueling (laughs) your depression.
1: Yeah. Like I'm the most creative when I'm in crisis. Mm. So I, I, that, and I hated it, but also it was like the fuel. (laughs) So it it was such a curse, but blessing is like such yin and yang, you know, like, being a comedian takes a lot of balancing within yourself, because uh, normal, a, a normal human brain just kind of cruises, mm-hmm. <laughs> so for you to tap into a place constantly, um, you, you kind of have to, it's kind of an extreme um, lifestyle in your brain, <laughs> and I didn't know that stuff, you know, I'm just kind of ping-ponging along.
0: <laughs> right. It's interesting, though, you defining that the creativity comes from chaos rather than coming from the stu- the substances themselves, because I feel like you could, in this new iteration of your life, create a version of chaos that fuels the creativity that isn't uh, harmful, you know?
1: Right. Totally. Um, yeah. When my life is in balance, I for sure... Uh, for seeing you know like a healthy balanced career lifestyle but honestly I I keep feeling close to it and then life throws me for a loop like just in the past year I I got hit in the head and I started getting like crazy concussion stuff for the past six months like my nervous system got messed up, like my back got messed up just from getting hit in the head. So it was just like COVID hit, like <laughs> like so much stuff happened at once. And I was like, like the past six months have been like even gnarlier in a totally different way. <laughs> for sure. Like it, physically, I, I've never dealt with physical illness like I have in the past six months. So that's thrown me for a loop. Like, what, was, uh, what was the head injury? I was surfing, and my fin hit me in my head. Wow. And uh, it cut me really bad. And I just... um, you know, I saw a doctor, and they're like, oh, you're all right. And I just had kind of like a mellow concussion. But it was winter, and I kept surfing in cold water. And um, I, I kind of like was into like extreme breathing and stuff. And it wasn't good for that. So I just started getting sick and I didn't know why. So it was just like, um, for months, right when COVID hit, I felt like I was dying and I hmm. didn't know why. So I like was going to doctors and just like, <laughs> my depression got, it was like a new, it was a new level of depression, like completely different from like emotional depression. It was like physical depression. I was like, what is this? <laughs> I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like, what is this now? Like I'm just coming out of that. So life has just been, life has been my teacher. <laughs> sure. Like <laughs> what, what happened on that wave? It was freak accident. Like the, I pulled into a tube and uh, it was super shallow and the offshore wind like picked my board up and flew it in the air forever and I didn't know and I was just like walking and it just like nailed me and it was just like ever since then I wasn't the same.
0: (laughs) So wait a second, you pulled into a tube, ate it and the wind caught your board and just took off with it and you got up out of the water and were walking and then it landed and hit you?
1: So for like 10 seconds, the board was in the air. So that's it really, insane. It was a complete freak accident. It was like a knee-high wave too.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, that's the definition of a freak accident. That's I can't even yeah. imagine that.
1: Yeah, like for for everything I've been through in the ocean, that was like... Wild.
0: Back to Pinch My Salt.
1: Was the Jeremy video the Genesis? <laughs> It was because, uh, even though I was at it for a while, um, I was still like I was still like uh, underground, and then when Jeremy happened, it was like, there was nothing to talk about in surfing, So people just talked about it. It felt like for a whole year. Like I remember Stab magazine kept doing check-ins like you know like has Jeremy found sterling yet you know <laughs> like you know like they kind of like helped um and that that when that whole thing happened cuz it was so silly looking back now like if i did it now no one would think twice cuz the internet we all the internet just makes fun of people now and it's just accepted <laughs> yeah but it it was like I, the internet was so new and surfing was so like core still like pro surf coreness. So when I did that, it was like, Ooh, you know, ouch Sterling's throwing blows at people and I'm still on the QS. Right. (laughs) So guys are thinking, I'm just like this. I'm like, cheap shotting them, you know, so it cre- it created like it created such buzz and such drama. Like every contest I would go to, I'm like, oh my gosh, like who's gonna try to fight me?
0: <laughs> was
1: um were you surprised that Jeremy was so upset? Um I was completely surprised because I didn't understand the power of the internet yet either. Cause like we post me um my uh my partner at the time that I worked with David Malcolm he uh he worked at Billabong and I I lived at his house we lived in this little studio and he had like a big bed and I like slept under the bed <laughs> he's like a seven foot human so like his feet would hang off and I would like wake up like. Them tickling me in my face, <laughs> but he, he like it was just random. He's like, "Dude, you should voice over this." I was like, "All right, let's do it." And did it first try, and like posted it, and fell asleep, like high five, and fell asleep, and like woke up to his feet, and he's like, gets on the computer, he's like, "Sterling, the video has sixty thousand views," and I'm like, "What?" <laughs> And I go look at my Facebook, and Jeremy Flores is the first message.
0: Oh, my gosh. And,
1: and he's just, like, livid, just, like, pissed off. And that's when we were just, like, what is this world? <laughs> what is the Internet, you know? Like, we just reached 60,000 humans overnight. Like, that was just, like, hard to comprehend. Like, we didn't have – I didn't have a cell phone then. Like, you know, it was really new. Yeah, that's where it all started, pretty much.
0: How did Jeremy's anger
1: fit into your perspective? Did you care at all? Um, I thought he was overreacting, for sure. Yeah. Um, Which fueled me being more cheeky. Good. (laughs) You know, my ego is like, you know, like, come on, dude. But yeah, but I... Looking back, I realized no one understood it.
0: See, I disagree. You said that earlier that when you're uh, when you're talking about your father, he didn't understand it, and you felt like nobody understood it, except 60,000 people understood it. You know, like all of us <laughs> watching on the internet completely got it. I never once thought that Jeremy hated children. Right. I never thought that that was Jeremy's voice. I just... <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. And there was a, it was like a victimless crime. It was kind of the ultimate comedy because <laughs> it's, it's satire that is poking fun at how serious we all take surfing. There's no victim here. It was shocking to me that Jeremy can't laugh at it. And it actually made me dislike Jeremy. I had no reason. I was indifferent to Jeremy before. Maybe I admired his surfing at certain times, but as soon as he overreacted to that, I was like, God, that guy is such a wuss. Like, what? He can't take a joke? So I, I want you to know everybody got it. You know, we were there rooting for you going, dude, go on, keep going.
1: Well, it's a little different in my shoes because uh, I'm I'm like around these people. <laughs> and like, you know, Hawaii was still the wild, wild west. So Jeremy's tight with all the Hawaiians. And- so was I, but not like Jeremy, you know, like Jeremy was a pipe master. And so uh, it just, yeah, it's hilarious, dude. It became this just crazy drama. And like Kelly was a lot of drama too, because uh, you know, that was during when Andy Irons was winning world titles. So it was like me making fun of Kelly Andy and Taj and Joel, they were, like, egging me on. They're, like, yeah, come on. Like, it's working. <laughs> and you guys are all on Billabong, right? Yeah, I, I would be with them for months in Hawaii every year, you know? So, it was like, it was just kind of this, like, uh, it was like I had, I was, like, the only person with an Instagram. Right. I had somehow this voice that the whole surf wor- world could h- see and hear, but no one else had it. So all of a sudden, it was like, you know, like Andy's like, oh, put this up. (laughs) You know, (laughs) he's like, so I'm like battling Kelly on the internet for Andy. (laughs) Right. Team Bill versus Quicksilver. That's the way it felt, you know, like. What was the Kelly incident? It wasn't necessarily incident, but, you know, like when I, it felt when I, On my blog, I would just post Photoshop pictures of my head over Kelly or with Kelly. And instantly, you know, the vibe was like, you can't, that's Kelly. You know, like, you can't do that. You know, it was like, this is Kelly. And it felt so bad and so good. (laughs) It was like, you can't, you shouldn't be doing this, but I'm doing it and so like <laughs> so i would just like constantly kelly was like my mascot and i realized kelly being my mascot made people think of me when they thought of kelly so it was like this it became like this marketing campaign for myself <laughs> like i'm like family friends with kelly and all his brothers like we're actually super tight our families so it was just like i know he knew i was joking. But when people chime in, like, haters of Kelly, like, I'm, like, their hero. But I'm not coming at Kelly in a negative sense. But those people are. You know, everyone's looking to hate on Kelly because he's so successful. So it was, like, I became kind of to Kelly's mind, like, Sterling doesn't like me or whatever, you know. So, you know, eventually, you know, he was always curious, like, what is Sterling? like. He never, <laughs> I was like Kelly's kryptonite because he couldn't beat me in a contest. And if he uh, publicly said anything about me, it just raised my... <laughs> totally. <laughs> so I was just like this weird, you know, person. He just tried to ignore kind of. <laughs>
0: um, what did he ever express to you? Did you guys ever have a conversation?
1: <sighs> we only got into it once. Um, and I accidentally showed his phone number on this fake web or, I'm um, during the pipeline masters one year, I filmed another computer and then voiced over it on, on my website. <laughs> and I showed, uh, my phone to people. I'm like, I'm calling Kelly just like for one second. And then like 300 kids screenshotted it <laughs> and called him. <them. laughs> So he's in the pipe masters and getting 300 calls and he's just like, <laughs> <laughs> and it was totally by accident. And, uh, but he called me and he was pissed. I was like, sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I said earlier that it was a victimless, com- victimless humor, but that is a misstep on your part. <laughs> okay. That one, that one you deserve to apologize for.
1: No, totally. Like, and then I saw him at Channel Islands Factory, and he was just like, what's up, guy? <laughs> and apparently I was in the water. We were surfing earlier, and I didn't know it was him. I, had be- I wear glasses, and I couldn't see. And he, like, waved at me, and I just, like, blew him off. <laughs> I, I, like, looked at him, and he, like, waved at me, and I just, like, looked off. And he's probably just like, who, who
0: is this? Totally. <laughs> You know what's funny? I mean, maybe I'm saying this because I'm looking at it through our current internet perspective. I'm shocked that Kelly wouldn't realize that everything you're doing is elevating his profile. And the same thing with Jeremy Flores. Like, I guarantee you more people watched your video about on Jeremy Flores than have ever watched any one of his heats.
1: <laughs> I felt like it made Jeremy Flores like a famous pro surfer after that like that 100 it did yeah i agree with you like but me and jeremy we did get to a good place eventually like, well tell me before that good place
0: tell me how the confrontation went down when you ultimately <laughs> connected with you
1: for two years it was jeremy's looking for you jeremy's looking for you <laughs> everywhere i go jeremy's looking for you and we were in new york I, my hair grew out, started wearing glasses. So he like didn't recognize me and we were like standing in line together and I was like, he had no idea of me. And it was just like, that's when I realized, Oh, this is real. He really is looking for me. And he's like a jujitsu master and he's looking to practice. (laughs) Yeah. So then I go on a random trip to Panama and, uh, we're, we're, booked in the same hotel (laughs) and Billabong has like one side of the hotel and Quicksilver had the other and we'd all eat breakfast at the same spot and I'd sit on the other side of the room just like and he'd just stare at me like (laughs) and it was like all the French guys of Quicksilver and they would just like give me this look like every morning we'd go surf the same place no one would talk to each other. It was like, it was, I was with like a bunch of young guys. I was with like Griffin, um, Cole Pinto. I was with like a bunch of like the new school billabong kids. So I don't know why he didn't beat me up there. Cause that would have been the perfect spot. <laughs> yeah. And then that later in Hawaii, I was coming out with my movie surf madness and it was, it had a lot of hype cause I had Verizon behind it. And they were just like pumping it on every webcast, like Sterling's new movies coming. Like So I had a bunch of hype and, um, and a lot of the commercials was Jeremy Flores video, teasers, Jeremy Flores, and then like Adriano, like making fun of pro surfers, you know? So it was just like, everyone was just like waiting to see this movie, like, oh my gosh, like what is going to happen? So I feel like that built up in Jeremy, and he was, like, expecting, like, you know, Sterling is going to make fun of me again. So I just got to Hawaii. I just flew in, and uh, it was the night of the Surfer Pole Awards. I get to the Surfer Pole Awards. I'm, like, drinking a drink. I'm, like, in Hawaii. I'm, like, yeah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I feel this, like, arm come around my neck. And then all of a sudden, I wake up, and I'm just, like, dangling. And Jeremy is holding me and there's like 50 people circled around us. And Jeremy's making, Jeremy's like talking to the crowd. He's like, Sterling and I are best friends. Look. And he kisses me on my mouth. (laughs) And he's like, look. And he like kisses me and I'm like, I'm seeing stars. I'm like, where am I? (laughs) And uh, everyone's like, and then like he chokes me again. And everyone like like sits up and then he like lets it go. And he's like, I'm just kidding. And he just got in big trouble with Sonny Garcia for fighting right. that kid. And in- so I feel like it clicked in his head. Like, oh no, like I can't kill Sterling here. Because <laughs> I'm like this silly human. He like finally saw me and he's like, this is Sterling? This is it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like in an Aloha shirt, just like, I just cut myself bangs. I've got super long curly hair. Like, I just look like an idiot, you know? And he's like, so then he like whispers, I like lay on the ground. He like whispers in my ear. He's like, tomorrow night at your premiere, you will learn the ultimate. (laughs) (laughs) And so all night I can't sleep. I'm like, all the Hawaiians. Are just kind of giving me this look like like can't wait to give you lickings (laughs) i'm just like oh no so like bill has this big party at the house with like taj and and i'm just like scared i'm like what's gonna happen (laughs) we like all drive to turtle bay resort and like we start the movie and like i look in the back and jeremy and like all these hawaiians are at every door like lined up i'm like i look at dave i'm like it was nice knowing you man (laughs) (laughs) and in the movie jeremy wasn't in the movie in the movie um i feel like they enjoyed it (laughs) okay and they were expecting like this you know bashing of pro surfers or whatever and they realized it was just fun (laughs) so when the like lights went off they're just like, eh, he's okay. <laughs> maybe they and finally like,
0: got the sense of humor.
1: Yeah, maybe because they sat down and watched it, and we just like talked it all out that night. Um, wow, he's just like like that. You know that video gave me so much shit, and in France, and it hurt my profile, and yada yada yada. And I was like, well, I was definitely not trying to do that. You know, like <laughs> it was really just by accident, and. I feel like Stab Magazine just fueled the fire and it was just like <sighs> and so we just talked it out and uh this guy Flinto who used to run Bilbong Australia, he like sat Jeremy down, and was like, Look, <laughs> everyone loves you. It's not a big deal. Like <laughs> and I remember it was just like over after that. Like good. he bought me like a drink and I never dealt with that again.
0: (laughs) I guess I'm just shocked again at his lack of self awareness that any hurting of his profile had to do with him choking people out. It had nothing to do with you. You know, like it's. And you're, like we already discussed, what you did only elevated people's awareness of Jeremy. And then if he chokes people out with all that awareness, that's on him, you know?
1: I'm sure he was in a learning stage too, you know, like we both, and we're like the yin and yang of the industry and it was just happening. We were just like fighting
0: (laughs) (laughs) on a bigger picture. It had importance to surfing because all of the surf, the legacy surf media companies only ever wrote glorified press releases for surfers. There was never a critical word written. And Lewis right. Samuels doing the power ranking stuff, what, and even prior to him, Derek Hine doing it, it was critical. Right. And it wasn't making fun for the sake of making fun, right. but it was critical. And we had never seen people be critical about these professional surfers that we all venerate. And so yours was a step beyond that where it wasn't necessarily critical, but it was at least lighthearted and almost, almost making, making fun of the seriousness of surfing and it was so needed
1: you know yeah totally and that's the way i felt um like i i served in one wct which is wsl now I qualify and that one event i was there for like three weeks the the jbay contest and i got such a heavy dose on how serious everyone is taking themselves i feel like that's when my Whoever I am and the way my brain works and my soul works, I instantly saw that and I'm like, I can't do this. (laughs) And I was like 19 then. And uh, I was like, this is like, I'm with my heroes. You know, like I was, I was with like Corey Lopez and Andy and you know, CJ and all the Florida guys on tour, you know, and stuff. And, but I was just like, man, I am just not cut out for this. Like, all they do is talk about the contest and talk about the heat and talk about this guy. Like, that's all, like, their whole life consumes. Like, it's so crazy. Like, those guys are just completely different creatures. You know, like, real pro athletes. And I always felt like I'm this, like, I'm like a pro athlete. And, like, I have, like, a nerd brain and a pro athlete body. That's what it always felt like. <laughs> so I was just like kind of this, I always felt I was just like experience, experience this for, you know, a reason or, or whatever, you know, like. So that that contest was for sure my, the direction change within my mind. Um, and the internet, it was, one, I know it was like one of the first contests like Surfline put on the internet. And I was learning the power of the internet too there. Like I saw I saw a Centaur when I was a kid and I told the webcast that. And when I was there, all of a sudden my nickname was Centaur and like it was like Centaur vs because I had a heat with against Kelly. So it was like Centaur vs Kelly, like and I was totally real. I'm like, dude, the internet is it. Like if you want to get famous, just start making shit up. (laughs) Yeah that's when all the bulbs started clicking like
0: well you were ahead of your
1: time yeah i feel like um you know my millennial brain could naturally flow that way you know all the older guys their brains were completely different
0: mm-hmm.
1: i was the natural wave that was coming through you know yeah
0: um you said you saw a centaur when you were a kid
1: Tell me, where'd you see it? Dude, it was like such a pivotal moment in my life that I like talked to my therapist. (laughs) Dying to know. When I was five, um, I, I lived, I grew up in like the woods and one night, literally this dude walked up to the door and he was super creepy and weird and I was just like, Stranger. So I started like screaming <laughs> and my brother was babysitting me. And uh, when the guy turned around, it was just this giant horse butt and it just took off. like. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and like, all I talked about was this monster. I kept saying like, I saw a monster, I saw a monster for like a year. My parents were just like, oh, he's just being a kid, you know? And I swear I would think about it handful of times every year, like, what was that? What was that? What was that? So at that J-Bay contest, everyone would eat at the same place. And I ended up telling, like, everyone the story in front of everyone. And they're just like,
0: (laughs) "Sendar!"
1: Everyone's, like, drunk. (laughs) Everyone's, like, drunk, and they're like, centaur centaur i'm like what's a centaur And they're like half man half horse i was like centaur i was <laughs> like up on the table they're like she- carrying me like centaur, cent- <laughs> so you didn't so know all. that there was a mythology i never entire huh so in hindsight what do you think that was in your childhood maybe just like a. I i feel like it was like maybe the imagination realm that we dip into like at night like happening during the you know during the waking state like you know when you're a kid just like your brain is so lucid i feel like something like that was happening is <laughs> there a possibility that
0: that crazy dude hopped on a horse and rode away
1: <laughs> no it was it, i can see it right now in my brain it was <laughs> it was both
0: crazy In regard to this kind of new phase of life, since you've been back in Pensacola, I know you said grief kind of brought you there, but what have you done?
1: You talked about therapy. I really, in the past five years, got into meditation. Mm. And that was like a huge turning point for myself and my life, being able to kind of understand my brain. (laughs) Just like sitting back and like, what is all this? what is life you know so for like a year I just kind of like walked in the woods and meditated and I felt like I was being born again um, just like wow I've never really looked at this stuff <laughs> what I've is been medi- on this rat race
0: what meditation what does meditation look like for you
1: Um, just now like using tools to completely be immersed in the moment And, uh, I never even knew that the moment is now. I like, (laughs) it's, I felt like I was just kind of this programmed creature. And then when I started meditating, it's like, Oh, I'm like life. I'm like this piece of life, (laughs) you know? And so it was just like kind of this awakening of, uh, you know, it's just nice breathing. (laughs) So (laughs) walk me through a practice. Well, before my injury, it's been hard to meditate since I've been injured, but I, I had like a, I created this like routine for myself, where I'd wake up in the morning, I would do like Wim Hof breathing or something. And then I would just go take long walks in the park and uh, just really connect like with my breathing and feeling my feet on the ground and just trying to be in like a very grateful state and by the time I get home, I'm like, wow, I love life. <laughs> Are you shoeless? Barefoot? Oh yeah. <laughs> and
0: um do you do this
1: prior to eating or is there any fuel in your system? I do it before I would do it before I ate and stuff. I, I got into intermittent fasting. Yeah. Where I'd like two meals a day and I noticed amazing results from that. I can't do it right now because of my concussion. I have to like eat a lot of fat okay for healing i also got into veganism which i regret now (laughs) why but at at the time i was vegan and i think it had its purpose but not long term so you don't recommend it for listeners (sighs) i know this is such a like debate i think every human is different and i some humans it, it could be an awesome thing but long term from what i've seen and people i know it's always been a bad thing like i've yet to see like a long-term vegan that wasn't like an asian person that grew up eating rice (laughs)
0: like
1: like i think a lot a lot of it depends on your background and you know your ancestors and the way your stomach has been formed over thousands of years you know like It's like for a year, it feels good. And then all of a sudden, I started getting sick in weird places. And then I I hear other people telling me the same thing. And like my therapist, he was a vegan for 20 years. And he ended up in critical condition because of it. Wow. And so now he's on the carnivore diet. And he's a yogi. He's a a meditation master. And he only eats meat now. (laughs) Crazy. And so like that whole experience really you don't really know anything and don't say you know anything because life will always kick you in the ass
0: <laughs> yeah
1: so like so now um yeah now i like have to eat meat right now or like if i tried to be vegan right now i would get sick the way my brain needs fat it needs animal fat right now like i i feel it when i eat it it's like Oh, whew. like, it's pretty crazy. Sounds like,
0: I mean, you mentioned balance earlier, but also it seems like with a lot of the work that you've done, what you've learned to do is just attune to what your body is telling you and be able right. to read those signs. Because I feel like a lot of people have so many layers of um, stuff built up. They don't even know, you know, they'll eat fast food for a year and not even feel the effects of it because crazy resistance. Stomach. Yeah. Totally. Right.
1: But it's ruining them, you know, without them knowing. Balance is always the key.
0: Back to your morning ritual of the meditation. You're walking around in the morning. Are you stressed about emails that you got to return when you get back to the house? Like, what do you do for work?
1: Well, the way like my contract had ended, I still had like a bunch of money that I got. And then my family, I have surf shops here. Had a few years, I kind of just cruised you know, before I needed to get more involved with Interlight Surf Shop and stuff like that, you know. But for like two years, I sold some properties and I just, I had my son, I I got married. How did you meet Amanda
0: and where were you at in your kind of personal growth process at the time?
1: We met right when I was getting dropped from Rusty. She's like this beautiful creature and I just kind of just got lost in life with her for a while like i was just like whatever (laughs) and we just like fell in love and um she got pregnant instantly from nature taking over so that was like pretty crazy i'm like oh my god like now i'm gonna have a son like how old were you um 29. um what's
0: her story like what's her short backstory and what were her expectations of you
1: in that moment? She was just kind of cruising living life too. She's kind of in an in-between process too. And uh she, she's from like the country. She's like a country girl. And so you know I was like this fame I was still kind of like a famous pro surfer at the time. So and then you know, I started going through like lost my sponsorship, and she was just like, um, so, you know, supportive. She's like, "Who cares?" You know, like if she she always said like we could we could be selling peanuts on the side of the road together and be happy. You know, so that having that feeling really made me feel okay. Mm. It was like, you know, like someone really loves me and accepts me, not. Like, oh, you need to maintain this pro super lifestyle for me to love you. <laughs> right. But so that was huge.
0: How much of your kind of the depression that you've explained and your the grief that you were experiencing, how much of that did she understand? And was she able to cope and handle and support through
1: that? <clears throat> she didn't understand it. And worse it definitely hurt our marriage. And like I brought this like huge bag of baggage. (laughs) And it was, it was, it was super hard in our relationship and we're, I feel like we're just kind of getting to a place where we understand each other. Um, cause she, she's never experienced depression. She's never, she's never had mental health issues, but she has a huge heart and I think she was drawn to me to like, heal, help heal me. And, It was really good at first, but as I start, you know, as we had a child, you know, I was like, okay, I have to like grow up, (laughs) you know, or I'm going to drown this person, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm going to self. So when my son was born, that's when I really got into meditation. It was like, okay, I need tools. (laughs) And I had like a very profound first meditation experience, like, so crazy so like so much relief so like it was so intense and crazy it was like wow like whoa what is this world (laughs) i was such a bummer for a while and then when i started meditating i became so good Mm. it made feel. then i was on the opposite side of the spectrum and it made her feel left behind like wait a second i thought right that was like us being married has been like you uh, know, us learning how to ride this wave together, you know, like, from completely two sides of, you know, the spectrum.
0: Yeah, I mean, all relationships, I think, are and go through learning curves like that. But um, some are more intense than others, you know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> luckily, luckily, I'm funny or she she would have. Left. <laughs> it's like a, my, my humor has, like, helped everything be help me get through life. Like I feel like depression, it's different for everyone. Yeah. It's either grief or emotional stuff from childhood. You haven't looked in the mirror yet Yeah. or something physical, like your, stu- you, this, your stomach is messed up. Like I've seen so many people just fix their diet and they're like, Oh, I feel fine. Mm-hmm. You know? So I feel like depre- there's many uh, types of depression. Depression is just a word we give it, you know, like I think it's just being a human, you know, like leveling your brain out and figuring out your rhythm.
0: Right, I'm certainly no expert and I'm not, not the healthiest person in the world either, but it is crazy friends who live in Orange County who have these kind of chronic issues and they have terrible diets, they drink a ton of alcohol, they have terrible sleep patterns, they're working excessively and then they have some sort of ailment and their first way
1: of dealing with it is medicating. Yeah, I feel like modern medicine is amazing, but it's good. it's good as a crutch to get you to a healthy place. Right. Not, not, that's not the healthy place.
0: Kind of in closing, we started out talking about whether or not there's a place in the surf content game for you at this point, and you talked about maybe making a film. If you could figure out the business model for that, how would that film be different than the previous films or how would it be similar?
1: I feel like it'd be maybe less me. As as I've gotten older, like, I feel like the magic to life is people. It'd be more of making films for the experience rather than the end product. I feel like that's what I've learned with life is like... Uh, the only thing that matters is your experience. That's the only thing that's like really happening. <laughs> so like, enjoy it, do what you want and enjoy it rather than do something for an end product. Cause I felt like I lived my life for the end product. Like, oh, you know, like I, I'm unhappy and this sucks right now, but I'm gonna do it. And then that's gonna like make my status bigger. You know, it's always this imaginary world my life was in so now like i would love to just like experience
0: sounds like maybe a feature film isn't the best medium for that because just the nature of that is to put a bunch of effort and then there's an end like social media and youtube is kind of maybe the more fluid platform
1: yeah if i if i'm like balanced because I I when I started a YouTube channel, it was I like knew YouTube was next, but it totally had no soul, and I was working for a company that was paying me, and it was just like it totally sucked the fun out of it, even yeah. though I was making more money. So like, if you cannot get sucked into the rat race. Like if you can just document and put it up and not care about it kind of thing. Once you start messing with that stuff, I swear it's just so addicting. <laughs> it's all this weird addicting world. I'm trying to stay away from that.
0: <laughs> it, you Like the reality is all of these things can tremendously help um, make your life more efficient and access your audience, but they can also devour you. So you really have to just kind of use it on your own terms and then clock out.
1: Totally. Yeah. There's, there's, that's what I, that's what I never could balance. Yeah. Like,
0: Tell me about how often do you surf nowadays? And I mean, first of all, the, I never thought of Pensacola for surf or Alabama for that matter, but the imagery that you post from there makes it look like the waves are pumping all the time. So what are the waves actually like and how often are you actually surfing?
1: Um, I feel like, I feel like I didn't even knew how good the waves are here till I moved home full time. Wherever we are on the bottom of the Gulf, we have the DeSoto Canyon. So it's like super deep. So it's kind of like hatters the way it breaks. But it's just like, it's not, it's not like Cocoa beach where it's like three miles out to sea. It's breaking, you know, it's yeah. like, dumpy. and uh during the winter, I'm surfing almost every day. uh. Um, it just it, there's a lot of weather with it so it's like it's it's not like it's cold it gets really cold here like it gets down in the 30s during the winter so it's like i love the winters here they're beautiful no one's around the surf's up all the time i just kind of get lost in my own little world like the beaches where i live are uh national parks so you just drive in it's just beautiful you know, woodlands, so I just, it, it's super beautiful here. Um, it's starting to get crowded. <laughs> sure. Not surf, but the tent, the city's starting to take off. So yeah, people are realizing.
0: Um, we started out the conversation with you saying that you've been working with Chris Christensen for, is it six years now? Eight. Eight years? Considering that there's a, like, really strong board-building community in Florida and that you guys have surf shops, what's behind that decision? Why not work with a local shaper? And,
1: um, Well, I met Chris when I was living in California. And Chris, like, saved my surfing soul. We have a deep bond. I was living with Rob, and Rob really steered my soul, surfing soul. You know, like we started, I started longboarding again. I grew up longboarding. Um, I started longboarding again, started riding like the 12 footer skip fries. And my dad made a film with skip fry when, um, called some like it smooth. And they only rode like 12 foot boards or bigger. So for me, like when I was in San Diego, I totally dipped back into my surfing soul, my roots, you know, like growing up, serving with Skip Fry and Hank Warner. Hank Warner is like my godfather. So like when I was living with Machado, he like dipped me back in, which, um, and then I met Chris and I, I was writing Firewire surfboards, which is like the total opposite. <laughs> so like Chris, like when I started writing for him, I was writing like pro shapes. Like we were working on like, you know, normal shoreboards but he would just give me a fish. He would give me an ocean racer, you know, Mini Simmons and I started writing that stuff and I was like, whoa, what's this world? You know, like I haven't written this stuff since I was a kid. And it just brought back all these amazing connections. And then I only rode like his fish for like a whole year. <laughs> wow. It like seriously saved my surfing soul. Like uh, just connecting back to the ocean and it's more about the energy and feeling rather than like the clip you're getting. (laughs) Right. Like I got better at surfing. Like, uh, I like missed all this fundamental connections with the ocean, like being on a short board and I I grew up a nineties kid. So like Taylor steel, that whole punk revolution. So I just wanted to shred do three sixties. And so I like missed, I missed that like pivotal, like, you know, you need to learn how to bottom turn, you know, you know, I miss, I feel like I could do it, but I didn't know why I was doing it. And so like for a whole year, I was just riding my fish, just like learning it all over again and loving it. It was like, it's like my whole life I played like lead guitar and then I like switched to jazz and realized, oh man, this is good. You know, like it's about the music. It's about the surfing, not about you, you know. That's so Chris and his boards was huge for my development.
0: I feel like wasn't he out there building boards maybe at Ricky's a month ago or something?
1: Yeah, it's funny. Ricky Carroll was my shaper growing up. And now Chris is, uh, he goes to Florida and shapes like 90 boards a couple times a year now. I, I guess because of COVID. Yeah. Cause so many people want boards now. Like our shops are selling boards like crazy. Cause everyone, there's nothing to do, but surf. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, no, it's been shockingly, it's COVID has been really good for the surf business.
1: Oh, it's been, it's been amazing for our shops. Like we'll cool, so come to the shop now.
0: <laughs> good. Um, what was the last, last surfboard that you rode?
1: Since my concussion. I haven't surfed since April.
0: Is that the longest run that you've ever gone without surfing?
1: Yeah, I body surf every day. So that keeps me sane. Good. (laughs) But, uh, last board, um, Chris just shaped me uh, a lane splitter. Don't know it. And it's, yeah, it's like a high performance twin fin pin tail. And it's got like a wing and uh, it, it's insane like it's like the way i want a shortboard. i can still have that free flow glide but like still carve super hard
0: uh did you post a photo of that board
1: i've got video of it
0: i feel like i saw something about it
1: yeah i surfed a this big swell we had in alabama where it's like i mean big for alabama but it's like full tubing yeah And it's, the board's like a 5'2", and I was riding like six-foot waves. Wow. And it just like, so good.
0: By the way, what's the surf community like in Alabama? Is there, does it get crowded?
1: Yeah, um, Alabama, the coastline's pretty small. Like it's pretty tight. Um, It's not long like Florida. So there's kinda only like two spots. Like there's the pier and Alabama point. That's usually where everyone serves, so those spots get crowded. It's actually, when when I was younger, they were actually really aggro hmm. when I would was there. They're like, oh, y'all Florida shivers, don't come on here. Really? Are they good? Um, yeah. Um, a few older gentlemen that I surf with all the time, and they surf great.
0: Wow. Good for them. Blowing up their it's, secret.
1: I mean, floor, floor, where I live is literally like, I could see it across okay. the water <laughs> okay if if there is no, if you didn't have to drive around it would take like 10 minutes to get there okay it. <laughs> so it's, it's not like this huge border long drive it takes like 30 minutes to drive over there <laughs> gotcha um
0: well i think whatever you do next in terms of film or social media or whatever it has the potential of being a much better version a much more nuanced and complex version than all of the pinch my salt stuff before, which I also loved, but you've just got a lot more um, complexity now. So I'm looking forward to whatever comes next.
1: Thank you, appreciate it. Yeah, as soon as life quits kicking me around.
0: No rush, enjoy the family in the meantime and uh, there'll be people waiting to see what comes next when you're ready.
1: That's awesome, I appreciate that.
0: No worries, man. Thanks for taking so much time too, to
1: chat. Yeah, man, it's super good to talk to you. I know we've been talking about it for for three years.
0: Everything we discussed in this episode, including, of course, the Jeremy Flores video, you have to rewatch that. And, of course, Sterling's full-length feature films I've posted on surfsplendorpodcast.com. I've also linked to his Instagram. That is certainly worth a follow. And you should also swing by our YouTube channel to see me fondle my NVS fins. I mentioned a few weeks ago that NVS can do small runs of custom fins, whether you are a surfboard shaper who wants a specific design for one of your board models, or just a surfer who wants a design that you can't find on the market, NVS is glad to do it for you. And both of those examples I just gave, by the way, came directly from listeners, one of which is Cubicle, who makes boards designed for river waves in Oregon. And they heard about NVS here they had NVS execute a hatchet style fin that they had been designing for years. And then, in a full circle moment, Cubicle sent me a set of the fins that NVS made for them. Uh, they offered me any of the range of various sets that they built. I opted for the upright twin hatchets. And it's a freaky looking fin, which I haven't actually ridden yet but I wanna show them off to you on YouTube. So search Surf Splendor on YouTube, click subscribe, watch the Sterling Spencer episode, and in it at the beginning, you will see these hatchet style fins that I got from Cubicle, but built by NVS. And of course, you should order fins for yourself. You could save 20% with our promo code, which is the word podcast, that's on surfnvs.com. And if you're a shaper, by the way, certainly have NVS dial you in with a custom design to maximize the boards that you are building for your clients. SurfNVS.com, promo code podcast. Enjoy. And um, on our website, of course, there's a comment section. If you want to leave any thoughts for Sterling, I'll make sure that he sees those. Um, We had Devin Howard on The Grit last week, and I've received nothing but positive feedback about Devin. Everybody always wants more Devin. Devin said he was surfing lowers a couple days after, and he had seven people paddle up to him and uh, mention the podcast and that they enjoyed him on it. Devin's always worried that we don't talk enough about surfing when he's on the podcast, and so he's shocked that people um, give him positive feedback after a recording where we talked almost exclusively about relationships. Um, But, of course, that is what makes the podcast platform so great. I, I try to convince him. You and I would not want to hear Kelly Slater talk about contests. We want to hear him talk about his personal life. And if you want to see that episode, of course, that's on YouTube as well. And I'll be back on uh, Friday, tomorrow, on The Grit with Chaz Smith. And then Tuesday again with Scott Bass next week for Spit. So enjoy those. Enjoy the weekend. This is David Scales for Surf Splendor. And I'm reminding you, in the meantime, get back into the ocean, share some waves, and shred